welcome to a very special edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World of Football Index. As always, I am your host, Austin Miller, joined by Tom Robinson. It's been a long time since we've done one of these podcasts. Uh, today, Tom, rather than profiling one player, we're going to take the opportunity to look back at some of the profiles we've done so far, provide some updates on some of the players, maybe answer some outstanding questions on the players, and no better time to do it now, Tom, without any football for a month and for months probably continuing to come, the stats that we give on this podcast will actually stay relevant. How impressive is that? <laughs> exactly. As long as we get them right in the first place, they'll they'll either be correct and relevant for ages or just hang in the air um, and sh- show up our lack of knowledge. But no, it's it's always nice to do these podcasts and kind of look back at some names that you know might have slipped out of the radar and other players that have done really well who you can kind of say yeah you know we we I think we called that quite well so yeah no better time when we're all stuck at home to be reflective and and look back at these uh yeah exciting young players as our listeners can probably imagine or probably know we have done a lot of these podcasts so you won't find an update <laughs> on every single scouting spotlight name here um but we're going to try to give an overview, kind of some of the bigger na- some of the names who have become big, some of the names who have really struggled, maybe some other names that we're particularly fond of personally, uh, some updates from even the last time when we did uh, a scouting spotlight uh, look back podcast. So there'll be plenty of names tossed out over the course of this show, some updates on all of them. Uh, feel free to reach out to either Tom or I if you want an update on any of the players that we've done a scouting spotlight on. And obviously we won't really be touching on any of the, the players that we've just done profiles on because those are, are for the most part still largely relevant. Tom, let's go in with maybe the biggest named player we've done a scouting spotlight podcast on. And that's Lautaro Martinez. He was good when we did the initial podcast. He remains very good uh, playing heavily for Inter Milan linked heavily with Barcelona, where he could perhaps link up with his compatriot, Lionel Messi. He's a regular in the Argentine national team. Um, We knew that he was going to be good, Tom, I think when we initially did the podcast, and it's nice to see that he has in fact been good. 100%. uh, He's one of those players that we were probably most excited about and most gushing about in in our praise for him. He's, He's probably one of the few who's actually followed that trajectory of someone who's highly rated and has just exactly fulfilled their potential up to date obviously I think the last time we did the pod he was just about to move to Inter Milan you know bedded in there quite well and and this season he's been absolutely fantastic he's formed a great partnership with Lukaku and now there's lots of talk about him being linked with with City and Barcelona so he he's really right on track for where we kind of expected him and a lot of the time we sort of bandy about the term sort of elite player or elite level elite ceiling and i think he's he's one of those guys that especially with hindsight you you look back on and think yeah we were we were sort of thinking this guy's a, a surefire hit really and it's so nice when someone who, who justifies that potential I mean again as you said he's done great for the national team as well he's been the highest scorer under Scaloni's regime which you know obviously has been quite an experimental one for part of it but he's definitely been the the big benefactor he's jumped ahead of the likes of 
um, Icardi and Dybala in the in the pecking order, and and that decision not to take him to the World Cup seems yeah more idiotic by by the week really. Um, so he's someone who I'm a huge fan of. He's a, a really he's got the right personality to, to succeed along with all the the skills. So yeah, someone who I'm I'm really glad is is living up to the hype, and it's it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. I mean, where do you think would be a good fit for him him now? Yeah, I mean, he's got, he has his pick, basically, at this point, you know, you mentioned the links to Manchester City, to Barcelona, um, I, I think the idea of him playing at Barcelona uh, alongside Messi is very intriguing, the idea of him playing under Pep Guardiola uh, at Manchester City is very intriguing, so he really, I don't think he can go wrong with the selection at this point. Um, as you said, I, I, I don't know that we were necessarily out on a limb when, when we said that we expected him to be quite good. But when you do look down at all of the names and, and all of the players that we've done, it's hard to find one who has been as successful, as kind of wholeheartedly successful as, as Martinez has been. So give him credit for that and, and maybe give us a little bit of credit. Yeah, I, I think... Well, we deserve a little bit of that. I think even even if it did feel like an obvious pick for someone to, to kick on, there's so many things that can go against a player's development. You know, we've seen it with other players who, who've gone to Inter specifically and, and not succeeded. And there's plenty of other players who are probably on a similar level skill-wise um, who perhaps might not just be as professional or, or might have not had the lucky breaks as well. So, you know, it's I think there, there's certainly... When we first saw him break through at the Under-20 World Cup in, or the Under the Sudamericano even in 2017, I think it was. Ever since then, we've uh, we've been huge fans of him, and it's yeah, I think it's um, we definitely were there on the ground floor, shall we say. Sure. Another name, Tom, is Richarlison uh, at Everton. Ten goals in the Premier League this year. He played three times for Brazil at the Copa America. Uh, he, of course, first moved to Watford from Fluminense. I believe we did a podcast on him either right after that move was announced or right before it was announced. I can't quite remember the exact details, but I think he might be one of the names that has surprised me the most. Not that I didn't think he could succeed, but I think just the quickness with which he has succeeded and found himself playing at a at a high-level club in Everton and in the Premier League, I think is something that's really impressed me personally. That's the thing. It was the the rapid ascension that I think took us all by surprise. Um, didn't expect him to hit the ground running at um, Watford, and and certainly didn't see that huge money move happen so so quickly. And I think the interesting thing now has has been that for a while we kind of thought that he was Marco Silva's, you know, lucky charm or you know adopted son, and he just he only seemed to perform well when when Silva was getting a tune out of the team. But you've seen him sort of dip in and out of form and I think he's now getting back to that level that we kind of expect from him under Angelotti so it's his sort of development has been played out on a very public and very high level um seen by all accounts for when you talk to um people um who know him better you know journalists who are around him and in the Brazil setup he's a very sort of quite shy and very nice um characters definitely not maybe someone that you would expect to be like that when you watch his his sort of style of play perhaps but um i think he's yeah again he's 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 going to be one of the the guys who's adapted best to a, you know a difficult league without having 
a great deal of um, experience under his belt and someone who's certainly taken us a little bit by his surprise. And also, I think the way that he's established himself as a, as a really viable option in the Brazil setups is equally, if not more um, impressive, given that there's so much competition in those kind of wide forward roles. I mean, where do you... Like, where do you see him fitting in and, and it, where in the pecking order do you kind of see Richarlison for the for the LSL? Yeah, that's the I, I, another thing that's been impressive. Like you said, he was in the Copa America squad and we know just how difficult it is to make just the Brazil squad for a major tournament, let alone to, to even feature like he did. Um in th- thinking about the Brazil team, it's, you know, there's Firmino, there's Neymar, there's Gabriel Jesus, there's a whole host of other attacking options. There's Gabriel Barbosa, there's, you know, Bruno Henrique playing very well at Flamengo. There's a ton of names. Um, I think he will always be in that conversation. I don't know that outside of, of Neymar and maybe Firmino at this point that there are names that you can write in ink in a Brazil squad at this point. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, whenever international football comes back, and that could be a very long time from now, um, kind of where he does slot in. But he's certainly right in the mix. My question for you, Tom, is, is there another move for Richarlison to make? Do you think he can go even one more level up? Or do you think where he's at now is kind of, a very good spot for him to be at for the foreseeable future. I think it's a good spot. Definitely. Um, you know, Everton have been perhaps not performing at the level that they'd want, especially given the investment that they've had, but it's, it's a huge club, great support and a team that should be at least challenging for Europe. I think he's definitely got the potential to go to uh, a bigger club and, and certainly, there's been interest, certainly Barcelona apparently were, were looking to, to bring him in. So he's he's definitely not at his peak at the moment. There's there's definitely an extra level or two up that I think he could go. But maybe he just needs um, a bit more consistency and then we'll see that move. But I think it's um, he certainly seems to be on the cards. He seems to be someone who's marked by, mm-hmm. by the big clubs and, and, and the fact that he's sort of had his career fairly fast tracked both with the national team and, and the way he's risen up in the Premier League as well. So yeah, I I definitely think there's uh there's a move there. I I would like to see him maybe stay at Everton for another another season. But um yeah, right now everything's up in the air, so it's sure. who who knows when when that's gonna happen and you know, maybe there'll be a flurry of activity. He's I think he's someone who's he's not gonna be too upset if he has to move on from Everton is the is the feeling that I get but at the same time I think he's in a good spot with a good manager right now and um yeah it's 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 going to be interesting because I th- I think there could be plenty of uh, interesting twists and turns in his career I don't think it's going to be I don't think he's going to be one of these guys who sticks around at a club for a for a massive amount of time speaking of fast risers Edder Militao Tom one year at Porto after he moved from Sao Paulo and is now with Real Madrid. Uh, I think a squad player is probably the best definition of what he did at Real Madrid this year. That's probably the best definition of what he was in the Brazilian national team as well. Tom, he kind of feels like he's the next man up maybe in both situations, both for the national team and for his club. Yeah, I think given his sort of young age and relative lack of experience, I think he's he's right kind of where you'd you'd want him to be and and certainly 
when we did the pod, I think we, you know, we saw, we saw a player with all the raw abilities and lots of versatility and, and someone we had a feeling due to his uh, contract situation at Sao Paulo was, was about to move on. Um, and I think six months after we did the pod, he, he got that move to Porto. But yeah, again, I never saw him sort of get, um, making that big money move to Real Madrid this early, just after one, albeit fantastic season at Porto. Um, I think he's maybe been slightly the victim of um, Real Madrid kind of going back to basics after they brought this influx of, of young players and, and he's going to be, yeah, that, that first guy off, off the bench if, if they need someone to fill in, you know, either right back or, or centre back. I think he's, he's got, he, again, like we said on the pod, he's, he's someone who was, he's got everything and feels like he could just slot into an elite level club. Um, I don't feel like we can properly claim credit for championing him because I think we were not necessarily reserved or, or slightly cool on him. I just think we we hadn't seen enough of him to get to know whether he was definitely the real deal. So he's he's definitely been one of the most successful guys that we've done. But um, yeah, perhaps perhaps not someone that we necessarily saw doing this well this quickly. Um, and uh it's going to be. Uh, I think he. I think he does have a big future with the, certainly with the national team as well. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Well, especially when you consider his primary position. You know, he can play as a right back, which is a position that Brazil has been lacking in depth in for a very long time. I mean, Fagner played uh, in 2018 in Russia and is potentially maybe still the second best right back theoretically in the Brazil squad. Obviously, there's Danny Alves. Um, but one, he's now playing in the midfield for Sao Paulo, and two, he's also not young. Um, so I, I can certainly see a future in which Adam Militao is holding down right back for Brazil for the next, you know, five, ten years when Danny Alves does decide that he doesn't want to play anymore. Um, but I, I agree with you. I certainly didn't see him at Real Madrid this quick in his kind of career pr- progression. I think that's certainly been very impressive. Uh, these next two players, Tom, are two who I think we both agree probably could be playing somewhere in Europe, but are not. And now age might prevent them from ever kind of having a long, sustained European career. But they've been very successful in their own right. And that's Rodrigo Kyle and Georgian de Arascaeta, both with Flamengo, both defending Libertadores champions, both on very comfortable salaries. Um, Rodrigo Caio played at center back alongside Pablo Mari, who then obviously got the move to Arsenal. De Arascaeta featured in attack alongside Bruno Henrique and Gabriel Barbosa. They are both key players to what Flamengo does. Uh, Rodrigo Caio's already 25. De Arascaeta, 26. Um, De Arascaeta is a regular in the Uruguay squad. Rodrigo Caio kind of on the outside looking in when it comes to the Brazil squad. I guess my question is, is there anything more for these guys or is this kind of it? Not that this is a bad thing necessarily, um, but I guess that's kind of my question for you, Tom. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those more interesting kind of dilemmas in terms of how you weigh up what constitutes success and what doesn't. Because certainly Rodrigo Cal, when when he moved to Flamengo, I thought, oh, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a sidestep there. But you know he's he's won a Libertadores, so by all accounts that has been a successful move. He's he's bolstered his profile, but I just have that sneaking success, uh, feeling that maybe that that move, albeit you know a, a good 
a good one might have ruled out um a chance of of going abroad um and and sort of having a, a crack at Europe maybe it's just because he's a defender and perhaps a little less of a, of an exciting type player that you kind of get the feeling that if he's not moved already then he'll probably just be an extremely good Libertadores and sort of title challenging defender in South America for the rest of the career and there's you know nothing wrong with that at all uh, but yeah, for, for when you kind of class these two players, it feel it still feels like Darius Kieta has got perhaps just something more to give. He's been someone who's been for me too good to be in South America for at least a couple of years, and and again, you'll see that he'll see that move as a successful one. Um, but at 26, you think, yeah, he's got to have it. He's he's got more than enough quality and capability to to still make an impression in Europe. And you think that move has got to come very soon. Um, and and you just wonder that with the situation around the world, is that going to you know really scupper a few plans of players around around the world who've kind of thought, yeah, I'll just bide my time a little bit longer, and you know this summer I'll make the move. You know maybe we'll see the same sort of thing. For Everton at, uh, at Gremio as well, and it'll be so fascinating if there's a kind of a whole generation of I don't know 24, 25 year olds who who just miss the boat because of circumstance. Um, I mean, how, how do you see how do you see these players? Do you think it's been a good move in the long run for to move to Flamengo, or do you see it more of a as a short term? short-term successful but ultimately one that could scupper their long-term uh chances yeah it's interesting because Rodrigo Caio had a move to Europe all lined up he had basically moved to Europe and then failed a physical um however long ago that was now with Atletico Madrid um he's a very good center back I think he can make a claim that he's the best domestic center back in Brazil. Um, Pedro Zeramel is, is probably the other name in that option. Pedro Zeramel went to a World Cup with Brazil. He was the fourth defender, but he went to a World Cup with Brazil. I think you could make an argument that Rodrigo Caio could probably talk himself into that happening for him as well. Um, and also, when you just look around the world, there are so many moves that just don't come off and they don't go right. For every Lautaro Martinez, there's you know, five different Felipe Vizeus or Gabriel Barbosas or, or whoever you have it be. And maybe he decides that playing in the best team on the continent, winning trophies consistently for that team domestically and internationally is a pretty good gig. Um, De Arascaeta, on the other hand, he was somebody that I think I expected a lot out of him in 2018 at the World Cup and maybe just didn't quite live up to to what we thought or expected he could be. He's a very good player with Flamengo. I just don't know that you're going to find too many clubs who are interested in paying probably what it would take to bring him over to Europe. I don't think he's good enough to play in the big clubs for whom a fee wouldn't make a difference. And I don't know that he's the type of player that, uh, you know, a club who 15 million would be a big fee. I don't know if he's the type of player that you would spend that sort of money on. I guess that's kind of my question with him. Yeah, it's kind of a golden handcuff situation where now that he's effectively l- losing or has lost his resale value, you know, someone like Ajax or Porto are not going to 
when they could spend 15, 20 million on a player, they'll say, well, let's go for a 21, 22 year old who, who we can move on for twice or, or three times the value. It's, with Derasquieta, you feel like, yeah, you, you're going to be able to get him, but you're not going to be making any any money on him. So there's a big pressure straight away for him to succeed on the pitch. And, and I, I think you rightly point out there that at the World Cup, because he wasn't necessarily the guy that they were building uh, the team around or who's played slightly out of position or, or maybe just even underused in general, they could have probably done with something, uh, someone like him, that you get, you get the feeling that if he does go somewhere, he's he's probably going to have to be the main man. And I wonder if potentially if MLS keeps sort of growing um, and, and sort of especially sort of snapping up a lot of good South American players, particularly ones who, who maybe just aren't going to make that move to Europe where whether you could see him go there to be you know the Mm -hmm. big designated player for for one of the sides and and really be a marquee signing for someone and just yeah continue to earn good money and um and do something like that I I feel like that could be a route and I I feel like it will be a shame if if Europe never really gets to truly appreciate him because he is a good player but yeah I think you make a, a valid point that it's good I think you'd have to. There's only a few, sort of a, a very small selection of clubs where he he would be a viable transfer target these days, which is breaks my heart to say. But um, yeah, it could just be the way the cookie crumbles. Speaking of players who are staying in Brazil for too long, or maybe stayed in Brazil for too long, uh, Luan finally got his move. Tom, it was to Corinthians, and now he's 27. <laughs> So I think we can probably close the book on him when it comes to Europe, which is not something I expected to say. Um, It just kind of felt like every six months there was another reason why he wouldn't move now. And then he kind of found himself maybe not on the outside looking in at Gremio, but not the focal point at Gremio. And that led to a move to Corinthians. As I said, he's 27. But this is a player who Liverpool were very heavily linked with. Liverpool were sending scouts to Porto Alegre to watch him play in the Libertadores. And now he's playing at Corinthians. Not what I expected of his career, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think he's probably one that um, has been slightly disappointing, really. Uh, He's he's kind of gone down the Lucas Lima yep. route in, in the sense that yeah there seems to be these great guys who who maybe hit their peak a bit bit later than than your usual starlets and and get all this hype around them uh, but for one reason or another uh, they yeah they just don't don't get the move that we kind of expect even something like a a big money spinning move to to the Middle East or to to China or something I think. It, that I kind of thought might even be a more viable option, but yeah, Corinthians was definitely a what really? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's an odd one, and and I wonder on a on a similar vibe. You know, we kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier, but do you think that fate could await Everton? Yeah, that's the the comparisons are far too easy to make because he's playing at the exact same club. He's now 24 himself. He's been fairly heavily linked. Um, the Everton to Everton move, I don't know how strong that link has actually been or how much that's just, it's too easy. Um, it's interesting <laughs> because he's obviously, he's, he's great at the level he's at now. He's a high-level player in Brazil domestically. He can probably be in and around the Brazil squad if he continues that on. 
Um, but at some point, if he's going to move, it, it has to happen because as you see with Luan, if it doesn't, it might never happen. Um, I'm intrigued to see what the next year maybe holds for him. For sure. And uh, do you think with players like Luan, like Lucas Lima, it's it's down to kind of personality in terms of them just feeling more comfortable being maybe a big fish in it, you know, close to home and somewhere they feel comfortable? Because I think certainly from a maybe an outside perspective and, and a Eurocentric perspective, we kind of deem success as, well, you have to prove yourself at a club in Europe when when realistically for these guys who are playing for massively well supported clubs in front of packed out stadiums well when the going's good anyway um that for them is is far more prestigious and and an achievement than going and playing for Villarreal or some some side that you know a, a great side but maybe from a smaller area or, you know, they don't have any attachment to. So maybe I think we can be a bit over harsh in sort of judging what um, success um, looks like. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's an aspect of that. As I said, with Luan, it kind of felt like there was always a reason to kind of stay six months more. You know, in, in 2017, it was ah, well, we're competing for the Libertadores. I want to stay and try and lift the Libertadores. And then he did that. And then you look up and, ah, well, there's a World Cup in six months' time. I'm coming off a Libertadores win. You know, maybe I can be in the World Cup squad. And then that happens. And then, oh, well, there's a Copa America on home soil in 12 months. I need to be playing regularly. I can guarantee myself doing that. And so it just with him, it always seemed like there was enough of a reason to stay that there was never a good enough reason to go. And that maybe kind of uh, was what, what, what kept him at Gremio for so long and then kept him in the country with the move to Corinthians. Speaking of a player who maybe had the opportunity to go to Europe and didn't take it and then saw their value really fall, Tom, Christian Pavone uh, was the next big thing at Boca Juniors. He was heavily linked with Arsenal at one point, was in the Argentina squad in 2018, but since then has not been called up for Argentina at all, which considering how experimental a lot of those call-ups has been, is not a good look, uh, has moved on loan to LA Galaxy in MLS to play for his former manager, Scalotto. Now there is an option for LA Galaxy to buy Christian Pavone, but the financials on that I think are a little bit funky. What now for Christian Pavone and his MLS-designated player kind of what he will be? It's been quite a roller coaster, hasn't it? Because that last pod that we did um, when we were reviewing players, I think he was probably one of the people that we were most positive about and slapping ourselves on the back saying, you know, oh, he's just had a great World Cup and, you know, Boca are going to be so pleased that they, they can hang on to him. So they just see his um, price rise and rise and it, it just hasn't worked out that way at all. His form dips terribly after the World Cup um, and it, he, you know, I think he he seems like he's getting back into that groove. Uh, I, I feel like he's probably fallen into that category of not quite as good as we'd hoped, but maybe not quite as bad as he has been recently. I think he's regressing to the mean in, in a lot of ways. And yeah, he's he's a streaky player. He's a confidence player. He he can be brilliant, but he can be absolutely headless and and make some silly decisions. And and I think he's. I think both of those descriptions of him are maybe a bit 
one-sided. So you, you have to find somewhere that's potentially in the middle. I don't think he's going to be that top player that, that maybe we hoped he might might have been a year and a half ago. But there's there's still a player in there, and I think for the right setup, he he could do well. But yeah, I don't. I think the Arsenal's of this of this world are are not going to be calling. And yeah, maybe maybe a permanent move to MLS is is a better spot for him. And I, th- I think he's at least got those characteristics that could see if someone was maybe willing to take a punt on him now that his price has dropped a little bit. He's got that pace and and directness that that could do quite well in a few different leagues in in Europe so yeah it's I think he's he's an interesting one to, to follow someone who I'm not super super positive um is going to have a brilliant career but I think someone who's who's going to be an interesting one to watch because he could go lots of different ways right now Another interesting one, Tom, is Juan Camilo Hernandez at uh, Cucho, who we did, I believe, when he was 18. He's still now just 20. He's in his second year playing in La Liga, playing for Mallorca this year after having played for Huesca, I believe it was, last year. Uh, the sky continues to kind of be the limit for him. Watford, I believe, still own him. Um, work permit issues have prevented that from actually happening in, in, in England, but Big future still ahead for Cucho. Yeah, he's he's one of those players that as soon as I sort of seen his name on the list again, it kind of sort of lit, lit up a smile on my face and because I'd kind of he drifted off my radar a little bit. I don't watch loads of La Liga football and just thinking like, wow, this guy is still only twenty. He's played a lot of football, achieved a lot. He's yeah, such a likable player and and at the end of the day, he's. I know he's had a bit of injury recently that's limited his game time at Mallorca, but he's he seemed to be just getting back into the squad and getting full fitness and getting a, a goal or two. So the fact that he's made the step up with Wesker had a bit of a, you know, he, it's probably the first season where he wasn't just banging the goals in, but he still scored some important goals for them. And I think caught the eye obviously enough that Mallorca wanted to take a chance on him. And uh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm looking forward to to the moment when he does grace the Premier League because he's got Aguero-like qualities about him. Again, I don't think he's necessarily someone who you would say is an out-and-out penalty box pro like like Aguero is, and you know it's it's high praise to link him to a player that's being one of the best strikers that the league has ever seen. But there's something about his style of play. It's very similar physically to watch him and his intelligence of movement. And he is someone who could go on to be, you know, a great goal scorer. He might be someone who's more of a provider. He's only when he started out, we we saw him more as a an attacking midfielder rather than a forward. But I think he's someone who's after bursting onto the scenes and being the name on all our lips for for a good while. And I think he's just doing his hard work and and getting his experience up and then suddenly in maybe a year or two he's going to burst onto the scene everyone's going to be like who's this guy and we have been like yeah we've been telling you about him for six years or something so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to to see see him come to the premier league i really does i really do hope that that happens Another young Colombian, Tom, making good progress is the defender Carlos Cuesta. He's now 21, playing at Genk in Belgium, getting UEFA Champions League experience. Um, 
far from the finished product, I think it's fair to say, but the progress is trending upwards. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think one who you could say is he's on the right path, isn't he? He's he's yeah. not necessarily sort of been like, wow, he's been picked up by a huge club, but the fact he's getting Champions League football, though, I think they did get battered quite a lot of this, which which can't have been the most um, enjoyable experience. And I think an, an interesting thing there at Genk as well is to see him alongside um, Lukumi as as well, who's who probably flew mm-hmm. a bit under the radar, and 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 Cuesta was you know for ages ever since he debuted for um, for Atletico Nacional at such a young age and stepped up and just looked so classy and so mature beyond his years. He's the one that we've all kind of pinned our, our hopes on and, and sort of given him all the praise. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, look at me, if he goes on to have as good or even a, a better career. So the, the, the fact there's that Colombian interest at the heart of defense in, in, uh, in Genk is, is going to be yeah an interesting one to move. I mean, I, what, what do you think in terms of, his next step should be or um, how long do you see him staying at Genk? Is Genk a city? Is Genk a team? Do Genk play in Ghent? (laughs) They're two um, very similarly named but different places. I've been to Ghent, I think. I've been to one of them Um, and I know there's, there's definitely always stories of I don't know, like a Spurs fan going to the wrong city for the match day or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Keep on keeping on. I can't say I've seen much of Carlos Cuesta play football. I didn't watch a ton of the Champions League group stage. Um, hence why my response was a question about Gank or Gent. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks, folks. <laughs> um, moving on to maybe a player we can, I can talk a bit more about is Lucas Paqueta. Tom, uh, moved from Flamengo to Milan. Uh, he's 22 now, getting regular game time. But one thing that's kind of stood out to me is he's kind of struggled to score. Is that a concern for you? Was that always maybe a concern for you that maybe his goal scoring year at Flamengo was more of an outlier than the normal? What have you made of his progress? Mm, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think he's, on one hand, you look at it and think, well, yeah, he's he's moved to, moved to a big club. Yes, they might not necessarily be where they once were and, and maybe part of it is blinded by the fact that you're like, oh, yes, he could be the next Kakar or, or someone like that. Um, but, I, yeah, I, th- I think the he's obviously played in a few different positions. And I think that, well, I, I, I liked him a lot when he was kind of deployed a, a bit deeper. And I don't think the I mean, again, I don't watch loads of, of Milan right now to, to know where he's being played, how often he's being played. But I think... I wouldn't worry so much about the goal scoring um, side of the game. And um, I think he's someone who he contributes so much in terms of just dictating tempo, being able to pick passes and, and beat the press. And, you know, sometimes he can be a bit overindulgent, um, I would say, and, and take risks that he doesn't need to. But I don't think the goal scoring is necessarily the thing that I would worry about. It would be maybe more the kind of inconsistency that he seems to be showing and the fact that he's not stamped his authority on that team because, again, he, he was someone who who we watched and and kind of expected to really go on and, and, and have a make a big impression because I think he has got that star quality that, um, that you don't see in every single player. So I was, I was p- perhaps 
had high expectations for him. Um, but at the same time, he's not been there too long. He's at a very big club. I don't think he's doing badly enough that, that he's going to be a flop there. I think they're quite invested in him. But I think Still just potentially... Still as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, sometimes out. we can be a bit harsh in terms of how much players are achieving in a new country at a very young age. So I wouldn't be surprised if Milan didn't work out for him, but he found a spot at another um, big European club and, and kind of everything clicked for him. So, yeah, I'm I'm still fairly positive. I mean, I don't know what you think about him and um, and whether you think that he's someone who can who can go on and be like a big player for Brazil as well. Yeah, the Brazil question is an interesting one because he, again, kind of falls into that conversation if there's just so many good players for Brazil um, that in order to even get into the conversation, you have to be really good at where you're at. And he's probably not at that level yet. But again, he's 22, uh, playing, as you said, at a big club. This big club may not be the one that works out for him, but I think there's still enough pedigree there that I don't think you'll find it won't be a situation where he kind of goes back to Brazil tail between the legs kind of thing. I think there's still a lot more for him coming up from Europe. He, he's not going to be the next Ganso, basically. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, another player featuring in Italy, Naitan Nandes, Tom, uh, his first year at Cagliari. Exciting. Super excited to see that he managed to pick up 10 yellow cards this year. You can take the Uruguayan <laughs> out of Peñarol, but you know you can't take the Peñarol out of him or something along those lines. Uh, featured heavily in Uruguay's Copa America squad. Um, good progression. Is there another level to get to at some point down the line for him? I think so. Yeah, I feel like already he's sort of impressed in Italy. I mean, he's he's the type of guy that always endears himself to the fan because he is just that the ten yellow all action right. Yeah, ten yellow cards. He's 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 not gonna he's gonna get stuck in basically and run around a lot, which is at the end of the day what most football fans look for. So I think he's yeah, I, th- I think it's a good move. I think it was a bit of a surprise in terms of um, you know the club that he eventually moved to, but I think you can easily explain that by the fact that they were pretty cash rich after selling uh, Barella, I think it was, and thought right, okay, let's get some guys in and we all know here that this is going to be a season or two here and then you'll go to one of the big bigger clubs in Italy for example so yeah i think he's he's on the right track he's he's not necessarily going to be someone who's grabbing the headlines but i think he could definitely fit into plenty of different squads you know you could see him at atletico madrid you wouldn't be surprised if um one of the milan clubs or or juve were to say right slot in here br uh, sort of legs and be be like Blaise Matuidi or, or someone like that who's just going to do the, do the stuff that no one wants to do, get stuck in, and um, and be just a really good squad player. He's he's always been liked wherever he's gone, and um, yeah, it's, I think he's been successful in terms of his progression. But there's, I still think there's definitely more to come for sure. I think I would agree with just about everything from you there. Another Italian move that did not go so well was Felipe Vizeo, who went from Flamengo rather to Udinese in Italy, then went back to Brazil with Gremio last year in the Libertadores, and now Tom finds himself playing for Akmat Grozny in Russia. 
Uh, ten points to you if you can tell me what city they play in. Uh, Grozny? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer I in front of me. I'll look it, I'll I look literally it up. never heard of them before um, doing some research for this because, yeah, I think this is, after all this, uh, you know, praise that we've been giving ourselves for, for picking these these players that uh, have gone on to do well or are going about their business the right way, this is definitely one of our more... Um, disappointing players on the list because yeah we you know we had big hopes for him he felt like the type of striker who would do well in Europe you know he's got that physicality about him um everything you know looked like it was a, a sensible move to a club that's developed a lot of young players and i mean the fact they've still got him on their books means that perhaps that there's still hope uh, among the udinese hierarchy that there's a player in there but yeah being farmed out to russia um, it just feels like he's kind of lost a couple of years uh, of his development. Uh, I, I, certainly, I, I, I was surprised that the Gremio loan didn't work out as well. Uh, were yeah, you? They were, yeah, they were in need of kind of him, essentially. You know, a, a target kind of striker player that was always the one thing that Gremio maybe didn't have. And so it fell out that, you know, okay, go back to Brazil play for one of the bigger clubs in a position where you should be able to find yourself in a lot of good opportunities. And it just didn't seem to, to work out like it should have for him there. And is there any way back for him? I mean, <laughs> I don't think he finds himself in a great spot right now. Um, the, you know, there's always going to be some sort people are always going to want goal scorers. And I think the fact that he got an Udinese move in the first place suggests that, you know, somebody will always probably be willing to take the chance that he can come in and be the big target goal scorer. That said, Akmat Groshny is probably not where he wanted to be in his career right now. Credit to you, Tom. You are correct. They do play in Groshny, although it wasn't a, a terribly difficult pull from you. But good. You 50, got the, 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one or the other. You're not wrong there. Um... All right, as we kind of wrap this this part of it up, Tom, let's talk one more really good kind of call. That's Artur. I think we talked about him a lot on the last time we did one of these podcasts. He continues to be a part at, at Barcelona. He's a big part with the Brazilian national team. Um, he's just been a success. Yeah, and again, one I think that we were pretty confident that he was going to do well and, and had that not only... Did he look like he had all the tools to be a, a really good player? He just seemed like he had the exact skill set that was required to go into Barcelona and do well. Yes, they've been a bit underwhelming and, you know, off the field, they're an absolute mess right now. Um, but I think he's, without necessarily ripping things up for, for them, he's he's integrated very nicely. I think, um, yeah, he's, he's exactly the, the right club for him. And there's... There's been some talk of, of whether they would kind of use him as a make weight for, for Martinez in, in the deal there, but I think they seem like they want to keep hold of him. I have heard a few rumours that he's maybe enjoying the nightlife a little bit too much. I, I didn't think he was necessarily that type of uh, type of p- uh, person, but um, hopefully that is just rumour and not anything that's distracting from him uh, f- from his game. But yeah, th- this is a guy who's elite level talent and probably in the top probably even the top three um in terms of the the players that we've profiled um i think i'd yeah him martinez and i'd probably put uh, palacios in terms of the guys that i was most sure 
were going to be um without a doubt successful um in in europe so and yeah I th- one thing with him tom is what he did for brazil uh this past summer in the copa america i think he's established himself as a, as an integral part of the brazil squad and if you can establish yourself as an integral part of the Brazil squad, you've got a pretty good future ahead of you for quite some time. So, you know, maybe things don't go super right at Barcelona for whatever reason, and he ends up somewhere else, but uh, he's going to be a protagonist for, for quite some time, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and he's so different in terms of what they've had over the, the years. He's someone who can genuinely use the ball well, who can who can get out of tight spaces, who can dictate the tempo and, and just keep things tick, ticking over. And they've, Brazil have been crying out for that type of midfielder for so long. So just because he's so unique in the Brazilian context means that, yeah, he's he's got a place assured in the Brazilian team unless he, he really goes off the boil. One other name. Um, I only promised one more success story, but I have another one for you. And this is Luis Diaz. There's just so uh, many. Yeah, there are. There are. We're pretty good at this. Uh, Luis Diaz, who I think is a player that kind of slipped off both of our radars. Um, but he's been good. A productive move for him to Porto. Uh, scored four goals for them. He was in the Copa America squad for Colombia. The progress has been good for him. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, I totally agree in terms of he. I'd completely forgotten we'd even done a, a, a pod on him. But um, he's he's a really interesting player and, and he's... He seems to have slotted into Porto very nicely. So that's probably one of our, our more low-key success. Um, certainly in the last batch or in the last year that we've done, he's probably up there in, in one of the best integrations into a, a team in Europe. You know, up there with, with Militao, maybe Renan Lodi. You could probably put his name in the mix as well. But yeah, very interesting. And I think, again, someone who is probably fairly still unknown for most of our European listeners, but it's certainly one to keep an eye on. You could you could definitely see him popping up and and uh, making a name for himself uh, at an even bigger level. Tom, I think there are there are some other players that it's fair to say the jury is still out on them, uh, and then I think there are a couple players that it's probably fair to say the the path back is is maybe a long one. Uh, in that category, Rodrigo Amaral, scouting spotlight favorite. Um, quoted recently saying, En Nacional me siento importante. I feel important at Nacional. The good news, Tom, is that he's played football this year, so thumbs up for that. He even featured in the Libertadores, playing 59 minutes for Nacional in a 1-0 win against Estudiantes de Merida. I know you did not miss that match, because I'm sure it promised a lot. Um, 23 years old. There's still a talented player there somewhere. It's probably going to be in the mercurial Libertadores legend style of talented player who pops up in, in random group stage Libertadores squads for the foreseeable future. But there's still talent there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I think I've, as much as I will, will die on, uh, on this hill, I, I, I think they're, I've reined in my expectations of how far he can go. I mean, yeah, playing 60 minutes is, is probably about as much as he, he, he's ever going to be able to last. Um, his stamina has not been one of his um, his best elements. But if you look, you know, where where he was when we last um, reviewed him, uh, he hadn't played football for like years, basically, and he was getting back into shape to play at wrestling. Admittedly, you know, wrestling didn't work out for him, but... You know, he did feature on the bench to, once in his time yeah. at Rossing. Didn't play. Exactly. Almost, was on the bench. Almost. almost. Yeah, yeah. 
but you know he got back to Nacional four goals in 11 but then got another injury and was just getting back into shape um when obviously everything's been suspended so um i th- yeah i think you're right in terms of he's just going to be a mercurial genius around south america for the rest of his career like every year picking up maybe a, a different Libertadores club, you know, one year at Emelec, one year at, I don't know, uh, Juan Rich or something like that. Sporting Cristal, you know, yeah. kind of the, the second tier teams that are in the group stage kind of make up the numbers. He's there. It's not oh, Higgins, Rodrigo it's Moral, you know. Yeah, just, uh, but then I have a feeling that he, he could be like a kind of a budget Juan Quintero figure in terms of someone who, if he gets back to some sort of regular playing time and, and stays injury free, which has obviously been a, a big issue for him in his, his early career, you, you kind of think that he could be this guy that we we all take under our wing as uh, South American football fo- uh, fans and, and say, oh yeah, you know, you don't know what you're missing out on. This guy's been, you know, doing great things, but is obviously never going to get a move to, to Europe. And, I think because Uruguay, even though they've got an amazing uh, ability to produce players, you, they still have that potential if someone is really ripping things up um, in South America to kind of have a curveball player on the bench to, um, you know, potentially you could, I, I, I still feel like the the pinnacle of his career could be a bit of a cameo at a World Cup in I don't know, six years time or whenever or something like that. I could see him if he gets into a into a rhythm and just stays in South America, being a, the playmaker for whichever random team he's at and and is doing it on a regular basis. That there's still that outside chance that he might, you know, make a Uruguay squad and and um, yeah, just be that ace up their sleeve. So that that that's how I've readjusted my um, expectations for him, but. It's it's been a a relative, you know, small improvement. So there's still hope. There's still hope glimmering in my heart. Considering we're talking about somebody who 59 minutes in the Libertadores match against the Estudiantes de Merida is a success. <laughs> I'm just gonna say your World Cup fantasy feels a little bit far off. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But right again. right now but you know he he wasn't even getting on getting in uh, games in Libertadores uh, a year and a half ago so sure. slowly slowly catching okay. monkey uh speaking of world cup fantasies for Tom Robinson uh, uh it's time for the Jose Luis Gomez update injuries have been un- an unfortunate part of his story uh another knee surgery here in 2020 for Jose Luis Gomez uh, and since 2018, Tom, due t- mainly to injury, he's only been able to feature in eight games for Lanus in that time period, um, which is a time period that theoretically could have started with him being at the World Cup with Argentina, but obviously that didn't happen. And the injuries have played an unfortunate role in derailing what I'm sure would have been a, an incredibly fantastic career. Yeah, I mean, if you thought that Amaral might be appearing at the World Cup, then I'm sure Luis Gomez, Jose Luis Gomez, would be lifting Copa Americas and World Cup to his heart's uh, content if he'd uh, stayed injury-free. But no, I mean, I'm glad that you've saved the best till last. And um, yeah, I was sweating all podcasts thinking about when's Austin going to drop this guy. <laughs> um, but no, he, I think, 
regardless of my overambitious hopes for him, I think the fact that he's been so... It's not just unlucky, it's horrendously unlucky with injury. You know, even... I think there's enough bad luck there that, you know, I can hide behind that and sort of say, well, we just haven't seen enough of him to know whether he could have fulfilled that potential or not. But, um, yeah, he's uh, not going anywhere fast and will be, you know, we'll fondly remember him more of a, more as an, an in-joke than, than anything, I think. He'll always have those 52 minutes for Argentina, Tom. I don't know that he'll ever play another one for Argentina, but he'll have those 52 minutes. Injury can't take those away from him. Better than most of us, to be fair. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Uh, any other names that I, I didn't mention that you maybe want to give a, a quick mention to? Um, I mean, I kind of mentioned him in passing, but I think Ezekiel Palacios, I've been happy with him. Um, and I think he's going to go on to be great. And, and one of the players, again, that I'm maybe I haven't necessarily seen as much of him as I'd like, um, given how highly I rate him, but... Um, Tiago Almada is someone who I think um, is, is going to be interesting to, to, to see where he goes. Uh, he's, he's someone that I'm convinced will be an absolute star. So, um, yeah, it's uh, no, nothing too much to update since we last did the podcast in a, sort of several, several or eight months ago. But, um, yeah, he's, he's the one that I'm, I think could be the next biggest thing to come out of Argentina for, for a little while. How about you? Any Anyone that uh, you want to mention or, or anyone that you feel like you would have liked to have done a pod on, but we never got around to it? The latter category, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Angelo Arouse is a name that I've been particularly disappointed in. Uh, I thought a move to Corinthians would be a good move for him. He just has never found game time for them and is on way on the outside looking in which for a club of where Corinthians is at right now is not a great place to be. Uh, he's not on the show with us today, Tom, but Jason Guzman is still at Envigado in Colombia, despite yeah. being the biggest thing in Colombia or something along those lines. Uh, we'll yeah, see. I think Simon must be on the payroll, trying to get him a, him a move somewhere. But to be fair, he is only 22, um, but I would have surprised. Uh, yeah, but, I would have expected I mean, him to move Envigado to at least for a big... for 22-year-old players, is it? Yeah, probably not. He's probably one of the senior pros there now. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely surprised that he's not made at least, you know, that a little hop up to one of the, the bigger clubs in Colombia at the very least. So yeah, Simon's going to have to up his game if he, if he wants to get back on this podcast. Sebastian Driussi is another one that we did a, uh, a scouting spotlight on. That was before we realized he was going to Russia, where our audience is not great. But he's carved out a a nice little career for himself with Zenit in Russia. Yeah, he's yeah, I, I don't he's one that I find hard to to gauge cuz the season before last he did very well, but the last season he's not been quite as prolific and um I don't think he's he's someone who's really going to kick on. Um I think he could be yeah, I think it's going to be a sideways step in Europe or you could see him coming back to River Plate when he's 27 and uh, and got still so, something to give um, and and being like a a star back at River or, or something like that. I, I feel like he could go down that that route um, quite easily. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, but kind of gone off the radar a little bit. That's everybody from my end. That's everybody from your end. Thank you to the listeners for sticking through this. We know this was longer than our usual podcast. We hope there was a lot of really good information in there for you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it as well. 
We'll be back at some point with more profiles. Football will be back at some point with more football. We all look forward to that. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.